the failure to act with sufficient ambition to avert the climate catastrophe will be the greatest moral failure of our time. Making changes takes courage, and if we don't change things, we won't have a future. We need a president who respects science, who understands that the damage from climate change is already here. You have stolen my dreams and my childhood with your empty words. Change is coming, whether you like it or not. Zero Carbon Easter. Hello and welcome to Zero Carbon Easter Series 2, The Manifesto. I'm Ian Collins. It's a Friday, which means only one thing. Time to open the file marked green and delve into myriad environmental stories that have found themselves onto the news agenda. It's a busy one, uh, so we'll crack on. Morning to you, Dale. Yeah, morning, Ian. Morning. Um, I mean, let's start with this. Biggest ever opinion poll on climate change has found that two-thirds of people think it's a global emergency. Maybe they didn't ask the politicians on this survey. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, This was surveyed by the UN, wasn't it? And they asked well over a million people globally. One of the really interesting things to come out of that is that there wasn't such a great discrepancy between different age groups. You expect younger people to be more concerned, and, and they were, but not by that much. So, you know, this level of concern, it appears across all age groups which is fantastic yeah it's interesting even in and and again these are still head scratching headlines that you read and you think this is and i can see why you've spent 30 years dale banging your head sometimes (laughs) against a brick wall thinking what do i have to say to make this but i mean these discussions are like telling somebody a white wall is white only for them to say no that's definitely blue but nations where fossil fuels are major sources of emissions people strongly supported renewable energy even in the u.s 65 percent in favour. Australia, 76% in favour. Russia, for goodness sake, you know, where we hear headlines to the contrary, 51% of people in favour. Now, again, it comes back to that question. If you say to somebody, do you like renewable energy? It's like saying to somebody, do you like air? Do you like being alive? I mean, do you like nice food? It's a, it's a no-brainer, this, isn't it? Who says, I don't like renewable energy? Yeah, I mean, it's a good point. But I think that's genuinely because people do like renewable energy and they like the idea of it. I mean, here's a thought. Why don't we have a referendum, you know, like we did on Brexit? Why don't we have a let's fight this climate change referendum? Because we'd ace it, you know? It wouldn't be a 2 or 3% margin, the outcome. It would it would yeah. be by 10 or 20%. And, you know, that would be the mandate for our government to do stupid, crazy, reckless things, arguably, wouldn't it? Uh, and fight the climate crisis. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. And when you look at these figures, you think, well, it would be in everybody's interest, right? I mean, you've looked at this from an environmental point of view, but you know, you're know, you also an entrepreneur. You, you've looked at this from a business perspective as well. All the ducks line up, right? I mean, there's no... There's no downside to this as far as I can see. Yeah, that's right. But yeah, I mean, the point I'm trying to make is we, we've incurred the most incredible impact on our economy and our lives through Brexit for the sake of a 3% margin in uh, essentially a national opinion poll. This climate change opinion polls show the overwhelming strength of feeling and desire to actually do something about the climate crisis. If we had a referendum on this, you know, we would have the mandate to to do, you know, incredibly positive things. Brexit has been destructive, you know, and, and incredibly negative, and, and it passed by a, a bare handful of percentage points, and, and now it's real. But um, I, I don't know if I'm making my point, but, you know, there's this strength of feeling out there, you know, amongst the public, and we can't get on with it. We just can't get on with it. Instead, we could do this stupid thing called Brexit, on a bare, slender majority of opinion. Yeah, but you might lose customers over that position because Robert on Facebook got in touch. He says, I've been a long-term Ecotricity customer 
but I'm off. We left the EU, Dale. Get over it. Why are you still supporting them? <laughs> well, look, I think the EU are a fantastic organization. They're obviously not a country. That's why we're not giving them diplomatic status. We covered that last week. Fantastic organization, super progressive. They've brought a lot of good things to the world. They've brought a lot of good things to Britain. You know, our water quality, our air quality, all sorts of stuff, employment regulations and protections. You know, all of this comes from Europe. So, I mean... They're the good guys, actually. And, and and it's fair enough if if people don't want us to be a member of that organization. I get that. The vote happened. We left. I get that. The reason I'm still banging on about it is because the real impacts of Brexit are happening now. Everything that was discussed for the last, you know, God knows how many years and, and denied and, and called Project Fear and, and all that kind of stuff is happening now. This is Project actually happening right now. And I think it's really important that we flag that up. We point at it and we say, look, this is the actual will real impact of Brexit because we were told something completely different. I think we got Robert back as a customer. <laughs> well, maybe. I hope so, Robert. But otherwise, thanks for being with us all this time. I appreciate that and good luck. Can we send him a bag of electricity as a consolation, a jiffy bag? <laughs> um, let's go to another story here. The UK's renewable electricity outspaced its fossil fuel generation for the first time in 2020. This just feeds back in to everything we've just been saying. Yeah, I mean, the progress we've made on the renewable electricity front has been incredible in the last, you know, quarter of a century, really, since uh, since we got started, there was barely a couple of percent on the grid. And, and last year, it was the first time for a whole year that renewable energy uh, provided more electricity than fossil fuels combined did. So it happened before for a week here and there, a month here and there. But for 2020, it was the entire year. So on occasions, other than, you know, infrastructure costs and you know, staffing and running uh, an organization, the, the power we can get, tell me if I've got this horribly wrong, is free, right? I mean, we can, like if you take wind power, I mean, you don't get an invoice from the clouds. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. The, the, the energy source is free once you've built the machine to harvest it. That's, uh, that's a fact. So I'm coming back to, I know I sound like a broken record with this incredulity. Who's not understanding that? I think increasingly people are, you know, the, the growth of renewables is incredible. We're at nearly 50% in terms of electricity on the grid in our country now. We're, we're virtually nowhere in terms of gas, and that's a big job that we have to do. But I think the technology's moved on uh, considerably. You know, it's, it's just become super cheap now to harness yeah. renewable energy. The national grid have got on board and said, look, we can run the whole country this way, 100% renewable energy grid. I mean, that's a breakthrough in, in attitude. Sure. And, and all of this kind of stuff is is like coming together and i think politicians they will get it they absolutely will you know there are a lot of jobs here that can be created we can keep a lot of money in our economy sure. because we spend 50 billion pounds a year still on oil and gas we buy it in foreign markets we bring it to our country and we burn it and we waste that money every year and if we build instead the machines to harvest the wind and the sun we can create hundreds of thousands of long-term sustainable jobs here in britain and make our own energy be independent from the fluctuations of fossil fuel markets oil wars as well arguably you know there's a geopolitical yeah. kind of factor with fossil fuels i mean how many conflicts have they caused i mean it's, it's endless isn't it but we can break away from that we can power ourselves with renewable energy have a massive economic boost and i think all of this is coming into view increasingly here's a question that feeds into that david says uh, he emailed zero carbonista at ecotricity.co.uk how are your green gas projects going dale uh, do you have any working yet 
<laughs> no, not yet, but we've got the first one kind of on the runway. It's going to be built in Reading or near Reading, which I think is great because it'll be quite accessible to London and therefore we can get politicians to come out and have a look. It'll be the first in Britain to make green gas from grass, which is this fantastic opportunity that we have. So as I was saying, we've we've come a long way in electricity. We're nearly at half on the grid from renewables. We're nowhere on green gas, but we have the potential to make enough gas to power all of Britain's homes just with the marginal grassland that exists in our country today. Fantastic opportunity to create 70,000 jobs in the rural economy and save the burning of seven billion pounds worth of gas every year. And of course, the emissions that go with it. So first one, hopefully we'll start work on this year. We got delayed by the pandemic last year um, and I'm pretty excited about it. Are you a Daily Express reader, Dale? Uh, I have to say that I'm not. <laughs> well, I mean, the Daily Express often get a bit of stick because they seem obsessed with either the weather or Princess Diana. Um, that, that seems to be the kind of two themes that they, they, they run on interchangeable uh, on different days. Uh, but they've gone climate change bound, a big double spread. Um, and it involves cows. Cow, the, the, the cows look indistinguishable from any other herd. It says here as they roam the Scottish pasture where they live, they graze the windswept fields munch on grass, slowly chew the card in their pastoral ideal. But these aren't just any cows, they are weapons about to be deployed in the battle against global warming. What's happening with the cows? Well, it's a great story, isn't it? And uh, I've actually been talking to the editor of the Daily Express for a few weeks now. Uh, you know, we've become friends uh, over Zoom. Just a second, no. It's like, no, no, I don't read that now. You're having dinner with the editor. Well, no, not dinner, just Zoom chats. And actually, we sent him dinner. We sent him some of our Devil's Kitchen shiitake burgers, and he sent us back a picture of him on a Friday night. He has, like, an outdoor fire. Um, uh, he, he, lived, he lives a really interesting life, at least on a Friday night. I mean, I, I, I think it's really cool. So he sent me this picture of him having a, having a barbie uh, somewhere in London, I think, and loving the burgers. And so, yeah, we've become friends on Zoom. And, um, and what I found is that there's, there's a real interest from him and, and therefore from from the Express in covering this climate crisis and doing something about it. So I was really pleased to see this story. It needs challenging. You know, this is the this is the meat lobby saying, it's okay, we can eat cows. As long as we feed them a bit of seaweed, we can neutralize their methane emissions. And, you know, it's fairly impressive that with a tiny bit of seaweed, 90-odd uh, percent of methane emissions appear to be uh, taken out of uh, scope for, you know. Yeah, so this cows. just... The meat on the bones of the story, this is essentially changing the diet of cows, right? Yeah, with a bit of seaweed. Just a tiny bit of seaweed, apparently, uh, which is great. But of course, they're overlooking all of the other impacts of, of animal farming, the enormous consumption of water, the enormous creation of effluent and the pollution that that causes. And of course, CO2. It's not all about methane. It's about CO2. And then the land use. You know, we have to feed a cow 10 times as much protein to, as we get back out. So it's an incredible diminishing return industry. So it, it kind of avoids all of those issues and says, oh, we've solved the methane problem. Great. Yeah. <laughs> but that's Good. not uh, this from Callum on Twitter. Loving the Facebook live sessions, Dale. Uh, can we expect more guests? Who have you had on? Yeah, I mean, uh, this week we had uh, Maya Rose, uh, a.k.a. Bird Girl. Last week, a young activist, ornithologist. Last week, we had Lucy Seagull. 
uh, yep. Seagull, not Seagull. <laughs> and uh, before that, I think we had John Snow. We had Chris Packham. Um, I think next week we've got uh, Guy Watson from Riverford, founder of Riverford. So, yeah, we've got an interesting bunch of people coming on. Uh, just sticking with the food theme for a second, Ian. I don't know if, if you're aware or our listeners are aware, but uh, we saw an advert in the Metro last week. Yeah, we, we, you were challenging, weren't you, the... Uh, the, the, uh-huh. the the vitamin component in the ad, which suggested vegans can't get certain vitamins. That's right. Did we talk about it being a government-funded campaign? No. Oh, so shall I give an update on that? Shall I? Yeah, give us an update. Let's have the uh, the vitamin update. Hang on a second. Let's just get our man. Can we play some vitamin update music, please? There you go. What about that? <laughs> Fantastic. So, yeah, last week we talked about uh, how we'd seen this advert in the Metro basically attacking a vegan diet. We did a little bit of digging behind the scenes and we found that it's uh, it's a quango, an arm of DEFRA, uh, running a campaign, a one and a half million pound campaign dedicated to January or Veganuary, in fact. And it's basically a propaganda campaign attacking a vegan diet, which is shocking. Government funded propaganda attacking a vegan diet, claiming that vegans are nutrient deficient, which I think is, you know, all kinds of wrong. But targeting Veganuary shows you how kind of effective that month is and how scared the, the food yeah. lobby is. So, you know, we um, we wrote a letter of complaint to the ASA and we shared that online and several hundred people have, have done the same thing. And we've heard back, the ASA have looked into the, um, the merits of the issue and said they think it's worthy of an investigation. So we wait and see. That's incredible. I'm just digesting the fact that they decided to, I mean, apart from the fact that it's disingenuous and not true and all of that, um, I mean, you could argue it's a bit dangerous as well. I mean, if people are looking at a vegan diet because they've got genuine health considerations where they might need to go vegan, that's the sort of thing that could make somebody think again, well, I better not because, look, they're telling me it's dangerous. Yeah, and, you know, this is a government that claims to be committed to fighting the climate crisis, to getting to zero carbon. And, and at the same time, you know, they're approving runways, coal mines, power stations, and, and now attacking a plant-based diet. What's going on? What is going on? Um, here's one, Dale. Nothing we didn't already know, but we've just learned that the world is at its hottest for 12,000 years. Yeah, an amazing story, this one. Some kind of breakthrough in terms of assessing temperatures over that time span, which has been based on the, the composition of shells in the fossil record uh, that has caused a, a, re, a reassessment of what the temperatures have been. Uh, and, and that in itself has aligned with actual climate models. So there's an awful lot of excitement uh, and positivity around that because the climate models now are matching the fossil record. And yes, yeah, since the last ice age, and that was only 12,000 years ago, uh, I say only, but the idea of an ice age seems like far away, doesn't it? But it's not that far away. And there'll be another one, you know, perhaps before. Well, maybe there won't, actually. <laughs> maybe we'll just turn into a planet of water because because we get so hot. <laughs> Final one to finish from Jane on Facebook. Uh, Dale, loving the Devil's Kitchen burgers. Where can I get them or when can I get them in the supermarkets? Uh, thanks, Jane. Yeah, I mean, we just launched in Ocado last week. Uh, it looks like we've almost sold out the first three pallets, which is which is incredible. Uh, we, we had a target within 12 weeks to get to, I don't know, 300 packets a week or something, and uh, we've hit that in, in just a few days. Wow. Uh, so, I mean, they're incredibly popular, so we're super excited by that. And Ocado is j- just our first step into retail. We'll be exclusive with them for, I think, two or three months, and then we hope to get into other places because we want to be where 
everybody's shops. So, yeah. uh, you know, we're working on it, Jane, I would say. While you're posting Robert, his bag of electricity, can you get him to... <laughs> your man to post me a burger i would do but you have you have to send back a picture of you enjoying it oh absolutely you've marked my words on that well maybe i should send some to our to our friend mike graham what do you think do you think he'd be up for that well it's interesting because he posted something on twitter earlier because he likes cooking mike and he loves he loves wine and he likes cooking and i understand he's pretty good in the kitchen i was looking at something he posted earlier on and i i I had to read it about 10 times there was no meat in it and i thought hang on mike graham has gone I mean, at least momentarily, he's gone at least vegetarian, possibly even vegan. Well, that is shocking. I'm going to have to send him some. I'm going to do that. I'll I'll get it sorted. Dale, we'll speak next week. Have a good week. Yeah, thanks, Ian. That was great fun. See you next week. That's it for this episode. Don't forget, of course, you can subscribe for free from your podcast provider so that you get each new episode automatically. And if you want to get in touch, you can email your comments and questions at zerocarbonista at ecotricity.co.uk. Really important bit is to follow Dale on social media. That's twitter.com slash dalevince or facebook.com slash dalevince. And we'll be back in a week. Zero carbon east off.